Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Making a lineup for DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Just draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 21, as the New York Rangers fall to the New Jersey Devils after a two-plus weeks hiatus where they really haven't been able to get on the... Oh, wait, no, wait. That was the actual Devils who went on a two-and-a-half-week break, came back, and just slaughtered the New York Rangers. You know, outworked them, outpaced them, beat them in every zone of the ice, and totally ruined my Wednesday night. Andy, how are you doing? Not good. I am Tuesday night. Not I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not like you said. There's no every and it was floating around uh, social media. Listen, there's no excuse. And even hell, even the post game, even the Valaket and uh, who's usually you know tries to paint a nice silver lining for everyone. He was. He was clearly not pleased with their performance, as he should be, because there is no excuse. There's, you know, even if you lost the game, that's not what I'm talking about. There's no excuse to not play harder than a team that hasn't been on the ice and is coming back from COVID. They literally, the only players I saw pushing the pace was our bottom six, who is the only source of our offense right now, first of all. 
the range, excuse me, our offense, the Rangers offense right yeah. now uh, by, and even you see their limitations, but you see what they're getting just based on effort out of very little skill. Even guys like Howden, who I've harped on the past, at least he looks like he's trying. And then our, you know, our Capo and Lafreniere are trying to get something going. Kako has been our best skater this season, hands down. And he just doesn't have the counting numbers to show for it. But every time he's on the ice, he's pushing, he's back checking, he's turning the puck over. You know, he's creating turnovers for his team. He's bringing it the other way. He's doing everything. He just can't score. And, but for the most part, when our veterans, the guys who have been here, who keeps giving the same platitudes in the post game after every loss with their head in their hands and not being able to, they say they can't figure it out. Well, what can you figure out? You don't have to be, you know, Sherlock Holmes to figure out some of the biggest problems are is compete level. Even if you lose, but it looks like you were pushing, like at least you can hang your head on that, but you can't. And uh, listen, a lot of the problems right now, there's there's a litany of things wrong with this team, which we're going to get into over the, the course of this podcast. But I mean, that's the biggest thing is just watching the same guys give the same canned answers after every loss and then coming out looking no different the next the next game. You know, Kreider, uh, Zabanajad, you know, Strom, Truba, you know, the older guys on this team. The vets, I, you know, I can't believe I'm saying those guys are the vets, but yeah, it, listen, something stinks. There's something like, there's something rotten on this team. And right now it's looking like it's those guys. So yeah, I'm not happy. And I'm sure we're going to get, we're going to deep dive into this and try to really suss out what is happening. Well, I think, I think Ranger, the Rangers community and the Rangers fans out there are split into two. There's two people that yeah. think that, you know, we are you know, on track, we're rebuilding and, you know, these are the pains and struggles that a team must go through. And then there's that of the, you know, the group where I, I think I fall into where, yes, there will be struggles when you rebuild, but these aren't the struggles. Effort shouldn't be the struggle. Your top six effort or leadership shouldn't be questioned. Um, the coaching decisions, like it should be, you, you should be rewarded if you're playing hard. And if you're not, then you get sat and you look at like our top players like Mika Zibanejad and, you know, even Panarin at the beginning of the season, uh, Strom, Kreider, they're not, they're not really producing at the pace of which, you know, it was to be expected, but guess what? Panarin kind of figured it out because he's an elite player in this league. Mika Zibanejad, once again, goose eggs across the board. He had, uh, he took a, a weird penalty that, you know, I don't, I don't, it was questionable whether that should have been called, but it was called, which made it a bad penalty. Um, he had four shots on goal, but if you look at his shots, they're not they're not goal scoring chances. They're from the outside. They're fluky shots. And and listen, I'm all about throwing the puck on net because anything can happen. But you know, there's got to be a purpose and meaning to everything you do out in the ice. And you know, some players are are more of a you know I need to be hands on I need to get into the game I give a hit take a hit get in early and then there's other guys that you know get out of their funk when you know they you know finally get a, a bounce off their butt and and you know as Booch last night pulled the monkey off of his back um, but you know that there's there's got to be some sort of change and there hasn't been and we've been talking like I feel like we're on repeat every single podcast because it's the same thing with the Rangers there's zero effort either out of the gate 
or we have a great start to the game and then we collapse in the third period. And there's got to be there's got something's got to give here. And I don't know whether whether it's personnel or a coaching change. I, for one, think is, is honestly is Quinn doing that great of a job? Because according to Vince and and a lot of the you know a lot of people on Twitter that you know do have a voice in the Rangers world, you know they actually believe in Quinn. They think Quinn's doing a great job. And then you have the other half that's like, you know, it might not be the answer. And this is where I fall in. You know, the coaching change might not be the actual answer, but it changes something because this is not good. This is not good hockey. The Rangers are not developing their players in the right environment and you know it's starting to show it's starting to get really scary here because you know the lack of effort and the enthusiasm to play this game is not there and it showed last night and last night was the worst loss I think in two seasons for this this squad well the biggest thing and I was harping on it uh I think our last five podcasts but every every time this team is looking for answers but like the sentiment between is Quinn Mr. Right or Mr. Right now, I can maybe understand that. But the problem is we look at these teams in the that have had trouble establishing just any sort of postseason success, whether it's the Oilers for years until getting McDavid. Hell, even in their first season, you know, there was no success there. But it's just they're... Yeah, I think, I, I think that's the biggest worry is that you don't want the Rangers to just just because they're developing like i understand like it's a balancing act because you know you're trying to you're trying to bring up your promising young players without totally exposing them and letting them get shelled every night right which i understand you're not going to instantly put these guys on the first line and you're also partially trying to win games so that you don't get this culture of losing around but the problem is that's what's exactly what's happening right now like I'm obviously stoked by the way Kako's playing. I think Lafreniere uh, looks way better than Kako did last year, despite Kako actually still putting up some goals and points last year, assists last year. The whole team is ice cold. Um, and I mean, listen, I think I I'm apt, I'm very listen. I'm not, I'm not usually one to agree with Larry Brooks, but he kind of nailed it with his article you know, that came out uh, in the wee hours, you know, this early this morning in that even if you think that it's like you said, coaching, the coaching might not be the most paramount problem of this team. It can be a litany of things. It can be construction. The fact that they've shipped out more uh, NHL, you know, (laughs) level talent than they have brought in in the offseason. Like, I get it. But some of this has to come back to Quinn and it's just it's always an effort thing it's always like it would be one thing if they were the better team and just Blackwood was big and they lost a one goal game again but they they that defense that we've at least been like well at least they're playing better defensively was non-existent last night so they were poor defensively and I don't want to hear about injuries in this stat like you know it's one thing no one expected them to be able to score as many goals with Panarin because considering how ice cold they've been, but the fact that the one thing they've had to hang their hat on was non-existent, that's a problem. And their effort was a problem again. And just, they could have, you know, obviously you felt the devils were going to probably most likely come out flying at first because they haven't been on the ice and they're going to have that boost of adrenaline. They're like, they, and they understand they have to like, they can't, they have to get off to a good start. 
And they did. They were the better team early in the first. And that's, you know, credit to Lindy Ruff for making sure they were ready to do that. And credit to the players for, you know, buying into that. But the, after the tide had turned, the Rangers really didn't just start slowly putting the pedal down on them. You know, you figured that their wind would be devil the problem for the Devils, but they never really... And yeah, I mean, at, that second period was much better for the Rangers, clearly. But how come every time we score a goal, we immediately give up a chance on the next shift because we they settle in and get so comfortable? Why does that happen every time? Like, these are these are the type of things that I'm that I just can't understand. And the, that comes down to coaching. Like, you know, these are consistent issues. Can't you just say to the line that goes out right after you score a goal, you say you keep pressing, do not like, you know, that's, there has to be some expectation management. And why can Buchnevich, who, you know, Quinn early, he moves them down and they make a comment about like, oh, you know, his game's not where they want it to be. So maybe send a little message. See, he's playing better than puts him up. They haven't done that to Kreider as a manager at once you know, outside of just saying, we're going to try Kreider on this line for a bit. Like those two are, I can't believe I'm going to say this. At what point do you just say Colin Blackwell has been our best player every time he's on the ice? Why don't I just put him with Kako and Lafreniere and make them the first line if that's what's going to be like, you want to win the game. I understand. But at this point, like it's nothing's changed unless you like get, unless you light that fire, nothing's going for the top, for the vet guys in the top six. So why not just do that? He, he's your best player. Where, why is it can, is it merit based for Buchnevich who's been, who at least was our best player to start. Then yeah, maybe fell off a bit. So then they had to give him the stick for a little bit and then gave him the carrot again. What? Like you've tried everything else with his advantage yet. We're a quarter way into the season. Like why is he still getting top line minutes? And I, this season I, I'll, I'll let you t- take over in a sec, but I am one of Mika's biggest fans. I love the guy. I loved him when he was in Ottawa. I was thrilled when we got him. I was convinced he was the next captain of this team. I I can't unsee what I've seen from him this season. And I understand if you're coming off of a COVID, you know, and you just can't get up to speed and you're fighting it. But I don't see the fight or I don't see the desire, man. Like, and I'm sorry, maybe that's an oversimplification from my couch, but just the post game comments, like I don't see it. Like, and yeah, maybe he's a quiet, you know, it, insular guy who just keeps everything in and is just really struggling. But I just, I can't. I would rather just see him totally try to change up his game and just be the, be different instead of just constantly trying to make, you know, the perfect dagger hero play that he always tries to do. And he looked good in the Boston game. At least I thought he was going to go. And again, he was just ineffective, non-existent, slow to react and slow on the puck again. And it's just, it's enough. At what point, like we've just, yeah, I, it's, uh, there's so much wrong with this team right now. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head with the, why is it merit based for some players and not for others? And I know I, listen, I am part of the group that says ride your horses, no matter how bad they're playing. But I don't think that this is the case for Mika Zibanejad. I really don't. Like Panarin was able to figure it out after a slow start. Even Strom has played twice as better, you know, in the last few games than he played at the beginning of the season. Like the players are getting better. Kako is getting better every game. Like there's improvement. The inconsistent, the inconsistency with Zibanejad is is kind of alarming because it's like if you watch last night, you would swear that was game one of the NHL season for the New York Rangers. Now, if you watch him against the Boston Bruins not a bad player you'd be like okay you know it's you know he had a tough night there's nothing you know nothing you can do we lost to you know a better team and you know he just couldn't get anything going he had no puck luck but th- this is the thing like 
we shouldn't be questioning game in and game out. You have to look at, you know, the the entire season and see what Mika Zibanejad has done for this team. And it's it's nothing but inconsistency. And that's not what you want out, out of a leader. Um, and you know what he's turned into? He's turned into Kreider. Some games you can yeah. see him and he's great. <laughs> but other a lot of the times you don't you don't even notice him. You don't even know he's there. And last night was one of those games where he didn't even know he was there. I mean, why is he not on the bench giving up that third goal? Why is the camera not focused on him yelling up and down, you know, the bench? And like, I know he's like, I know, you know, after the game, he's like, this is not what we want. This is not the effort we need. You know, I need to be the first to look in the mirror and say, you know, and question my effort and question, you know, my work ethic. But at the same time, it's like, listen, Dude, like you're okay. You're allowed to have bad games, but you know, you need to be a leader. There needs to be someone screaming on that bench. There needs to be someone in that locker room screaming. And I don't care, you know, you know, how bad you played. Mika's a manager. You have the reputation there. You have the leadership. You have um, you know, the the merit of last year to kind of, you know, you know, speak your opinion and, and raise your voice at these players, but you're not doing it. At least I I, I don't know you're doing it, and there's no reports that he is doing it in the locker room. And the same goes for, you know, Truba, like, you know, raise your voice, be a leader, start yelling. And I know Truba got hurt, you know, and he didn't come back for the third period. But uh, this is not just the the devil's game. This is the entire season. And the, this game just seems to be the pinnacle for me uh, in terms of, you know, what this season is now starting to represent. Yeah. And listen, the the I had mentioned up top that the problems with this team are numerous. One, they are extremely unlucky right now. They, their team-wide shooting percentage is abysmal. I think it's bottom three or bottom four or five in the league. So that's obviously not helping well, them. Well, can I jump in there? Two, yeah, yeah. Be- because I, I think, you know, their their style of play is, is certainly not helping that. And No, I you, agree. When you have all three forwards on the same side of the ice and the puck gets reversed and the Devils have about five seconds to make a decision on what they want to do with the puck, of course, they're going to be able to clear it out. Every chance is one and done. And we all collapse on the puck. We have four guys on the same side of the ice with the, and then the weak side defenseman is already back up at the red line because he's like, well, there's certainly no one pressuring this guy. And, and you know, if I step up right here, it's an odd man rush the other way. So it, it we're not teaching a right system for if you want to produce, you know, a consistent Definitely. offense. And the biggest thing is how come when Lafreniere Kako and Stromer on the ice that they get multiple kicks at the can mm-hmm. multiple shots on goal when every time KZB does the same thing where Meek is off to the left Kreider is for God knows whatever reason on the far side in the corner behind the net because he thinks Meek is going to try to cycle it even though he's going for a shot on goal and he's too stupid to realize I should probably get below the goal line because if the squirts out I can get on it and Buchnevich is just trying to kind of tie up a stick somewhere off to the side or maybe get out on the far side. And every time it's one, like you said, it's one and it instantly gets batted. And now your three forwards who are in the offensive zone are now probably the furthest away from their own goal. And then it's a three on two back the other way or a four on two, especially that one defend defender who's uh, for the devils or whoever is, you know, reads it and can get on his horse fast enough. It's all, it's the same thing. They get one shot from the side of the net and it's Mika and it's always into the, you know, into the low pad that gets kicked out. And then the whole team that's the opposing team has sprung the other way. Every time it happened multiple times It's frustrating. And it's like you said, it's just like, there just needs to be, why is Kreider just not in front of the net? Just not even concerned about reading the play. Just like trust your line mates, you know, trust Buchnev, trust me. Like, there's so much wrong with that and it's like you said there's not they have no it's always been like free-flowing 
uh, whatever they want to do in the offensive zone. And it's great last year when their shooting percentages were super high. And, you know, obviously Panarin can do it because he's that type of player. And when Mika's feeling himself and confident, he's can do it too. But now that it's not happening, you have to do something different. They just keep banging their head on the wall and they're not getting rewarded for it. And they're just wondering why. And and I feel like teams are giving them those opportunities because they know they're one and done. They know the Rangers shooting percentage is so low, so I might as well let them shoot from the boards, shoot from the outside, because I know when it when it squirts up and kicks out to the far side, we're going to win those battles because the Rangers have no in-zone presence. There's no, um, you know, it, there's no, it's not like it's a one, two, two. And when you have, you know, when you have sustained pressure in the offensive zone you have all areas of the ice covered in terms of who all right so one player is you know if you have the boards if you have the puck on the half wall right you have maybe one guy in the corner you have the defenseman that's an outlet pass you have one guy maybe you know floating around the front of the net and then you have the weak side defenseman you know if if a shot goes wide you know he's able to go you know and retrieve the puck and keep it in on the other side like for the new york rangers there's no net front presence the guy in the corner is not is not moving like you, you got to move like either come towards each other and do a scissor exchange or, you know, maybe shoot around the net. And then the guy who is on the, the far side, you know, winger, you know, needs to either crisscross with them and come through the front of the net or something. There's got to be some sort of movement. All the Rangers do is they gather the puck. They have it on the half wall. They take a shot from the outside or they kick it up to the point where they take a shot and there's zero people in front of the net. I mean. You saw the goals that they scored. The Buchanevich goal, you know, Blackwood couldn't see because there was someone in front of him. Hello? I mean, yeah. like, isn't that amazing how goals work? I mean, the you know, the devil scored because, you know, pucks were thrown at the front of the net and, you know, Sashurkin couldn't, you know, react quick enough because no, he's seen they, the puck got two, second off the flex. Yeah, Truba re- redirects one accidentally off his skate and the next one gets tipped and changes course and there's nothing the goaltender can do. So I don't care if you've been as good as Blackwood was last night. You can beat them if you do those type of things. The Rangers do not. Like Quinn is always talking about the hero plays and the pretty plays or whatever. Well, you ta- he talks about it quite a lot, but he doesn't seem to enforce it because his guys are still doing it, except the guys who are actually scoring, the bottom six. You know, I'm happy for Buchnevich, and I thought he was actually of the th- him Kreider's advantage at he was better last night. So it's good that maybe Quinn understands like that he it's good to light a fire under him and get him going. Yeah, kudos to him for that. But at the same time, it's like. It's just, it's like we said, the biggest problem is that the Rangers are trying to do, if you're going to try to have it all the ways they want to have it, like they want to win games, but they also want to develop their youth and they want, they have, there has to be some sort of at least merit-based structure to how they're approaching games. And there's not like, they just, you know, at this point, why don't you just like, it's not going to, it's not like you're going to, they're it's all the sun Kreider and Buchnevich and, and Meek are going to have like a behind the do- closed doors meeting where they're going to go to management and be like, we don't like Quinn if he ben- benches us for a ship. He's never done it. Just say, just say like, I'm putting, you know, the, the third line out against the top line. I want you to watch what they do. Like, yeah, fucking, you know what I mean? Like you can do it without dressing guys down or it's like, you know, what? it's just, it's so weird. And I don't know what it is because there's some guys that Quinn has no problem being hard with, but, I don't yeah. like, is it too much reverence for the, the, you know, the guys who were that leadership group when he came in, the Criders and the Mikas? Well, like, you know I just don't get it. He's coaching like this is a college team. And, you know, in college, you really do have to rely on your better players to, you know, put up the numbers. And if you look at, you know, college hockey team stats, there's usually a few players that have, you know, all the points. And then, you know, you have your role players. 
And, you know, I'm sure Quinn had, you know, did a great job, you know, feeding, you know, building a system where, you know, uh, Jack Eichel, you know, is going to rack up all the points and you just, you know, ride him, you know, until, you know, until the last whistle of the, you know, the game, the final buzzer. But, you know, you can't do that in the NHL. The NHL doesn't work like that. You you can't just ride your horses. I mean, look at Edmonton, man. You know, they have, you know, the best maybe one two punch in the National Hockey League and they still struggle to win hockey games. They're not they're not dominant. You know, they're not a dominant team in the NHL. They're, you know, uh, the upper upper echelon and, you know, a little bit above a 500 team. Yeah, right now they're nine and eight exactly with you know, maybe the best one-two punch, you know, they're built like a college team, you know, you NHL takes four lines and you know, exactly you, you have an identity. You have a, the lines have identities. There's a system in place that, you know, works and the system needs to change against the uh, the opponent you're playing. I know we spoke about this at the beginning of the season, but you know, I, I thought this, this season would be very interesting to see how teams build their system based on playing the same teams over and over and over again you know it's not like there's a west coast trip where you you know you don't you're never going to see this team again so you know you're just going to play like a normal style and see if it works this is like their systems should be built for a team like boston who is a you know a heavy hitting you know you know puck moving team that can counter instantaneously or there should be a team to help break the new york islanders you know suffocation and their trap and and the way they you know limit your scoring chances and don't let you you know get shots through the middle and stuff or you know a philadelphia flyers team high octane offense but might might be able to uh you know you might be able to take advantage of their you know defensive zone play even like the Washington Capitals, same thing with them. Pittsburgh, you know their weakest point is their defensemen. So, you know, let's make them turn. Let's make their defensemen handle the puck and create turnovers. Like, these are things that should be discussed. And the Rangers have the same exact system every single game. And, you know, they, they seem to, you know, like there was light at the end of the tunnel with the Boston games where, you know, they, you know, they coughed up, you know, the first one and then they lost the close second one. But you're like, Okay, this team is like the best team in the league, and we're competing toe to toe with them defensively. Now, if we can just you know get the offense going, we're right there. And then they go yeah. and play the New Jersey Devils, who haven't played in weeks. And it was like, it's and and Andy, you can answer this question for me. Sure. You know, it's so funny when the Rangers are playing good defense. Everyone on Twitter is like, "Don't you think they need to be more creative in the offensive zone?" And all this defensive play is really, uh, you know. Um, you know, uh, hurting their, you know, offensive numbers. And it's like, that's a fair question. You know, that does sometimes happen. But what about last night? Rangers didn't sacrifice their defensive play for the, you know, for the offensive play or the offensive play for the defensive play. We didn't have no play at all. We got outworked every, every zone in the ice. We didn't dominate. Maybe the second period you could say was good. Yeah, that's it really. And our, the, I would say the only good line last night was the Strom Lafreniere Capo Kako line, and that's only because Kako is literally had his best. Every I say this all the time, he had his best game of the season. He's not getting rewarded for it, which sucks. But you know, I mean, at the same time, you look at him and Lafreniere pass the puck, and then Strom they get it to Strom, and he does something stupid, and it's gone. Uh, and and you know, I will give Strom credit. He was at least he wasn't. I think he wasn't one of our problems last night. You know, he was at least trying to push and create and do stuff. And he got trying to get pucks on net. So I appreciate it. But yeah, but here's the problem is that like the what right now it should be that he should Kakbo and Lafreniere for that should be insulated by our veterans. You know what I mean? And if he's not scoring, we should just 
at least be able to appreciate the fact that you know what it's like Kako is turning to an absolute monster like mm-hmm. away from the puck in transition like all these things he's literally our best he's the Rangers best analytical player this year after being the worst last year I mean, you know amazing but it you know it's a moot point because this team is losing and you know, unless he's going to be on, they're going to make that the top line. And, you know, poor, I feel bad for Lafreniere. I think by looking at him, you can see he's deferring a bit. And, you know, I mean, he's a guy, I think he's a guy that ultimately needs to drive his own line down the road. Uh, and I think he just right now, no matter what line he's on, he's just trying to fill in space and be a trigger man or take eyes away. And obviously that's, he wants his lines to be successful, but that's not going to help get him going at all. You know what I mean? Although him and, and Kako are developing a nice little chemistry, they're our best line when they're on the ice. They pitch the puck back and forth to each. They can find each other in in tight spaces, which is great. So who knows? Maybe that you know that <laughs> that'll probably be the best Rangers line uh, for the next God willing next ten fifteen years, right? So, um, but yeah, it just it's they shouldn't have it shouldn't be all on their shoulders now. It's almost like the fan base is so checked out from that top line doing anything. You know, especially now that with uh, Panarin is out, although I assume he'll be back. He should be back for Thursday and they're going to need him. But, you know, it's just it's there's like I keep saying it. There's so much wrong with this team. They're unlucky. They've been unlucky with injuries, but they're also their effort has been a problem and their ability to start games has been a problem and close out games has been a problem. And their offense has been a problem. And it's just like. The fact that the easiest way out of this whole thing would just be to harp on one thing and keep building from there. Even if it was a slower build, they could have done it. But they just, if they, if they try, if they can commit to one thing, but immediately forget to do the thing they were doing right before that step, then it's moot. And that's a coaching thing. It's absolutely a coaching thing. And I don't think, I think no matter what happens, Quinn, Quinn will not get canned in season. I don't think that'll, that'll happen. Uh, I do. I would. I do think that at this point, you have to imagine at least uh, management is looking close and thinking about that. You know, maybe they're thinking a little bit more about who's going to replace him eventually. Because I could see them if if this season just ends up as it's currently going with a lot of like you know they maybe win. Uh, I don't know. Let's say oh, there's how many games are left. It's a 56 game season. They've played 15 games, right? They played 14 games, so... 14 you know. games? Yeah, yeah so, so there's 42 games it, remaining. Yeah, you know, if they if they win 16 of or 18 of the those remaining games, it's like, yeah, I think they could maybe look to make a change in the offseason. I don't think he's going anywhere for now, but you development, especially if you're going to be the youngest team in the league and it's development time, uh, like, I don't, I don't know. Is there an excuse, like, the... Ottawa Senators are a worse team on paper than Rangers and are also very young and yet they had a nice five goal comeback against the Toronto Maple Leafs you know so they yeah, can at I, least score so I, you know yes yes all those teams are giving up four or five goals a night but the Rangers gave up what three goals you know and they've given up four or five goals at, at various points it's just yeah I, I hear I like you said I see a lot and hear a lot of excuses online and let's I don't want this team to be perfect but you they're just the things that should that you like you said james the things that shouldn't be even an issue are an issue and that's a problem and now 
the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, joined by my teammates, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Brayden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Rube, reached out as well and um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me... You played the game with a candle to your ear Never wanting to leave the ice when the pain set in So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump Listen to Blue Notes and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. And it's not like our our young players that we're bringing up that we just drafted are, are busts. And, you know, it's it's our top players. It's the players that have been here that are, are you know, causing issues. It's our coaching staff that is, you know, I think causing issues by not treating everyone the same, you know, up and down the roster. I mean, say what you want about Tortorella, but the guy held, he held the better players to a higher standard, which is almost what you have to do at this point, because, you know, Torts was like, well, you know, if you're going to make all this money and you're going to make, you know, and you're going to get all this ice time, well, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard where Quinn is the complete opposite. He's like, well, I'll give you guys the benefit of the doubt because, you know, you know, you know, you are who you are and, and, and you've been here longer than I have. And, you know, you need to be the leader. And it's like saying this stuff and allowing this stuff to manifest and happen is, is really is a huge problem in my opinion. And, and if it wasn't the problem, then what, then what is like, if Quinn isn't the problem, then what is our, our leadership or our, our veterans? Well, then maybe we should ship them off because our bottom six is playing well. I'd rather, you know, we can get a lot for Mika Zibanejad, I'm sure. We can get a lot for Chris Kreider. I mean, not well, not anymore, but I'm just saying, like, you know, there was even rumors. I would have taken a second-round pick last year for Chris Kreider. And and still right now, I don't know if you, that you'd get anything for him, but, you know, I, I'd take anything at this point. And the guy's a, a nothing. 
a draft pick right now would improve, you know, the future of this team. His play certainly will, will not. He's not going to get better. Like, this is it. This is peak Chris Kreider. He's not going to get any better than this. So what you're seeing right now is Chris Kreider. This is his NHL career in a nutshell. He's not going to next year become some 50, you know, 30 to 50 goal scorer. You know, you saw, you know, Mika Zibanejad, you know, as a, as a, as a guy who always had Henrik Lundqvist, you know, as being the voice in the locker room and, and leader and the face of the franchise. Now Mika Zibanejad is that guy. And is he crippling? Or if it's COVID, then he really shouldn't be on the ice because, you know, if it's COVID, which I, I completely don't blame him, COVID affects people differently. It looks like it looks because he look it looks like he's just slower, and it doesn't look like he's not moving his feet. It's just he doesn't have the same burst of the step, and either he's fallen off that much, and at the age of what twenty eight, twenty seven, which I don't think is the case. I don't uh, think it, so either. COVID definitely seems, but the thing is that it's like I understand it's like he feels like he can play, and he doesn't want to blame it on that. But, but at the same it, time, as an organization, you need to step in because this is not now. This is not yeah. good for his mental health. This is good for the locker room. The good they could even say like Quinn could come out tomorrow and say, like, we've sat down with Mika and we do think it's hurting his overall performance. So what we're going to do going forward, you could even say we're going to like we're going to try to limit his minutes and use him in shorter bursts so he can get up to speed. That might honestly help him if it's just like he's not on the ice as much. And he can just play in short spurts where he can give it everything. So he's not always a half step too slow in the puck. He's turning like a boat right now. It's very weird because he used to be, you know, and I can, you can see, honestly, you can still see that his brain can still process the things he was trying to do and was doing successfully last year, like deft little passes to start his line mates on a breakout or to cycle the puck. He's still doing that stuff, but it's just yeah. his overall that he had that extra something in his step last year that he could just pull away so easily. And he was so fast last year. And this year he looks slow as molasses. And I think it is COVID, but and that's if, the problem is that if you, if you don't, if you're, if you want to be proud and you don't want to acknowledge that it's hampering you or whatever, or you just don't want it to be an excuse and you still want to help your team, I get it. But at the same time, you have to understand then that means you're going to have to wear the, the brunt of the criticism when you can't perform up to what your, your standards are. And it's a, a shitty situation. I feel bad for him, but that is what it is. Like, and, and that's like you said, the, the organization could step in tomorrow and say like, it's clear that he is still dealing with the after effects of this. We have so many players in this league that are still dealing with it, you know, and it's not just him. Cause there are guys around the league that have either gotten off to terribly slow starts who had COVID or, or aren't even playing Jonathan Taze and Marco Ross, you know, these guys, like you could say it's clear it's still affecting him. So we've consulted our physicians and we think the best way to do this is try to limit his minutes, shorter, like shorter spurts, to help him get his like full win, you know, whatever you have to do, like you can concoct some, some BS answer to like help him save face if you want to, but it's just not being done. Like, I just don't. Yeah. Right. It's until, frustrating, it's, man. until they address it as the issue, we can't even look at it as the issue because of the organization saying that he's fine and he's saying that he's fine. Well, then he's just an incompetent player and he, and he has really digressed over one season. I, I doubt that that's the case. I really do. I don't think, you know, unless yeah. he came into camp or not really a camp, but like you know, the quote unquote camp that they had this year, tremendously out of shape and is going to take 20 games to get back into it. Then, you know, that's a that's a character flaw. That's a character issue. I mean, that's not a, a leader. That's certainly not someone that I want, you know, wearing a letter, you know, for for my team. So 
you know, looking at this situation, you know, I hope, I hope there is some sort of, I almost hope that it's COVID because then I can see, you know what, he needs some, you know, rehab time. He needs to, you know, gain his wind and his confidence back. And, you know, you know, for a guy that plays such a, you know, quick burst, you know, shoot up the ice, you know, stop on the dime, you know, fake out the defenseman, get shots on net, you know, get to the net. You don't see any of that this year. And, you know, you hope that it's not just a natural digression where he's no longer effective in this league. And, you know, luckily we're, we're, we're not tied to any huge contract with him. But as of right now, I, I'm not confident in signing Zibanejad at all to anything no. long term if this is not COVID related. And if it is, then, you know, maybe he needs a full summer, you know, on the ice training and, you know, building up to what he once was. And, you know, if it is COVID and it affected him this way, you know, then that's fine. Like I'm perfectly fine with saying, you know, this season's a wash because COVID really affected our better players. We didn't have a camp for our younger players, but you know, that I would have been fine with that, but it, that doesn't seem the case right now. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, factors that are at play and, you know, Quinn, I feel like everyone's so quick to give Quinn credit for developing Kako and developing, um, uh, and, and, you know, getting the most out of the bottom six. It's like, is that really Quinn or is it just like an, an effort thing? Are they just trying harder? It's not like Blackwell's skating, you know, through players and, and, and juking out defensemen and getting pucks to the net. It just seems like he's just moving his feet and creating chaos. And, you didn't see that last night out of, you know, our better players. And, and then another, you know, stat line that, you know, proves how, you know, how much chaos you, you provide and especially the offensive zone is that we didn't draw one single penalty last night. Not one. No. And like that's alarming. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I did see the refs were swallowing their whistles for a lot of things both ways last night. I, they were going to let them play, especially because I figured, you know, if you have a team coming off COVID, maybe they're like, listen, like the Devils are going to be a half step slow, so we're not going to call. But the Rangers didn't. I, I, I can't even get mad because I thought the Rangers ultimately did nothing to in terms of to draw penalties. Right. Yeah. They didn't no, do a nothing. damn thing like they didn't even try to like. And the few times they tried to to grind teams down, you know, the Devils down their zone. It's just always the same. It's a lot of perimeter passing and not enough movement and not enough driving and not enough like pressuring and getting them to collapse in. They just kind of like let them try to get up to the to contest the shots at the point and just move to the other guy. And then someone else tries to contest him. They just keep moving it around. No one makes that move drive to the inside. There's not enough. Yeah, there's just not enough movement overall. It's just too much standing still and then unfortunately the only guys are trying to move are are got least skilled players are blackwells and our digiuseppes and our howdens at least they're trying but they don't have the natural skill and vision to do what the top line does but you know at the same time they're getting better they're getting rewarded for less now because they're they're putting in more effort you know and it's i think valakat said it last night and it rings true always it's like you know uh with like if you, you know, if you, if you don't have any will, you're not going to win and it's going to trump skill. Will trump skill. Like you have to, maybe you have to put in a little bit more will, but those are the guys that are the only, only ones who are getting rewarded right now. You know, cause even I see the will out of Kako and hell, even I see Lafreniere trying. It's clear. I think, you know, maybe he's just still getting his, trying to figure out how he's the most effective at the NHL level and what he can do. He's getting heavier on the puck, which I like. It's clear it's going to be slower for those for the, these two guys, but 
it seems that the slower it is, it's going to help make them better players in the long run. So I'm willing to be patient with them because you can see what they're becoming because you see the the will is there. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't have any time for, you know, guys who feel like their season is slipping away and it, now they're checked out. And, you know, not to not to pivot, but it looks, you know, where the Rangers are the worst team in the East right now. The second worst team is another team that has a bunch of veterans who look checked out in the Buffalo Sabres. So, you know, and here. Well, I, I had a question for you before we move on to like, yeah, yeah. Now, I do want to actually get into where the Rangers stand amongst our division. But yes, I, I have a question the, the, last night. I mean, it's it's pretty glaring and it's pretty it's I mean, it sucks to say, but it also is very nice to say, Andy. And, I, you know, how yeah. much did the Rangers miss Keandre Miller last night? Oh, so much. And you know what? Let me before we do anything. I want to give Hayek a lot of credit last night. I thought he was probably one of our best defenders last night. Yes. Biteto had his moments where he was struggling. I And I, honestly, I don't even think Smith was that bad. Like, they all had their moments. But, you know, and obviously they were riding Fox a lot of minutes, which, again, which out of necessity. But it's just, like, they clearly missed, you know, it's just the fact that they're in this position where it's like our best players are, are the kids again mm-hmm. and again. It's just... You know, I do. I really do think like I obviously think it's great that the Rangers have such a litany of young talent. And maybe this it was destined to be like this because it's like it's just an aberration. Like the Rangers should have been Detroit last year, but they just happened to sign Panarin, who had like the best year of his career in a hard caliber season. And Mika was just, you know, possessed because you remember outside of those two. No, not, you know, and Strom just be from, uh, you know, in so facto, the rest of the team wasn't scoring. You know, so but yeah. obviously the regret that, you know, the necess- the regression that was going to happen anyway. But, you know, with the other the youngsters with another year under their belt, I guess people really figured it should be enough. But, you know, if if your top line players can't insulate the rest of your group, then you're you're done in this league. You know what I mean? Because it's just not it'll never be enough. You can't just expect one goal, chippy right. goal, a game from your bottom six. And your top, and then maybe if you're lucky, you know the Rangers are capped out at two goals a night right now. Honestly, the way they're going, maybe one f- someone in their top lucky. six gets lucky. Yeah, someone in their top six gets lucky, and then their bottom six has to grind away just to get chip one in, and that's literally it every night. And that's just not good enough. You know, this should like the the Rangers should be happy that they ha- they finally have a bottom six that are Colin Blackwell has been great for this team. You know, it's like. He did such a good job. They were saying it on the broadcast, and it's true. He they had him on Hughes, and Hughes didn't did you know fuck all last night. He couldn't do anything because he had Blackwell all over him. It's just like I just don't understand why. And you know, again, a Kreider is a banager. Why they can't just say I am not putting the puck in the net right now? But like every time this person you know picks someone, every time Sharon Govich or Gusev or or whoever tries to do anything in our zone i'm going to be on him like white on rice and it's just it's just you know uh, it's just watch it's just the the concept we don't have the answers right now we need to look at ourselves we need to learn to hate losing like you shouldn't have to learn to hate losing or and but the also the way they're pu- they're framing it is like that the the rest of the team and the youngsters need to like learn that they're not the problem you're the problem like Call it for what it is, is that our veterans have to have to change something, have to do something different because the kids aren't the problem and the bottom six are not the problem. You're the problem. You know what I mean? And it's 
it sucks right. because and you don't want it. Like I understand it's like you win as a team and you lose on a team. You never want to put it on anyone, especially your your best friends on the team if they're your line mates. But it's like it's you guys. It's not you know they you don't they don't you're not given the benefit of the doubt. You've been in the league long enough. You you know you're not scoring. That's great. If you're not scoring though, there, you shouldn't be like Ryder shouldn't be helping the other team score an empty net goal because he's an idiot and can't like understand how to like <laughs> that. I probably shouldn't put it in this, you know, make a low percentage lob to this area when you're trying to get a goal with the goaltender pulled. You know what I mean? It's just that, that type of stuff. And it's always the same stuff. Right. And, you know, I think all this kind of builds up into, you know, a couple questions. And I think the first question is, do the Rangers need a coaching change? Is and then part two of that is go. Is there a coach out there that you'd like to see coach the New York Rangers? And uh, oh, sorry, keep going. No, no, go ahead. No, well, first of all, like I under obviously I have my long term sights on different coaches, but honestly, I would not mind if in game, if Quinn was removed. There's what have we? Our their defense has been better this year because mm-hmm. you have an actually a really good X's and O's guy on the bench in Jacques Martin, who is has a pretty sterling reputation as a head coach you know his his teams of you know their late 90s and the early aughts and when he was coaching and he's been behind the bench for pittsburgh for a number of years i like he's actually a good strategy guy and he's got good he's a good systems guy which quinn is not and I, the one thing he was responsible for the season for them until last night has been good they've been good defensively you know they have limited chances like They've had lapses, but that's not a structure issue. That's an effort and consistency issue. Correct, right? right? Yeah, last night was not an X's and O's issue. It was, I would love to see what he could he come up work. with to like make it, you know, because that's the thing is that I see, you know, the best teams, it's just like whether it's Tampa or it's Boston, I don't see a lot of free form from them. I see them mostly having structure all over the ice. And what they can do is they can shift it where if two guys do something, the other one knows I can still help maintain the structure of what we need to ultimately do to funnel pucks towards the net or get looks. Whereas the Rangers, when you, you see guys start scissoring and crisscrossing and trying to cycle, and then the defenseman's like, all right, I'm gonna, I gotta ch- go over here because it might get lit. It's just too much thinking. And it just, all it takes is like a, a blind backhand whack off the boards and then it springs the other team the other way because they're just there's no structure they have no way to contain pucks and it's just yeah i mean they need structure they need especially offensively right now and that's the thing is that they were given too much carte blanche i think last season because panarin's an artist and mika was feeling his oats so they could do whatever they wanted and that quinn just thinks that's the status quo now whereas you have you know i think the best teams they understand everyone understands what their role is and how you know how they can best do it and if they see a guy like a marshand or a poster knock start to like use natural skill to like get to the inside or chase nets they know that they always what they always have to be ready to do or you know the rangers never send the puck back to the point i feel like every other team does and we ne- never do it no and i don't care if they get blocked like chop a guy down like, make him make him you know <laughs> i hate to say this but like you know make it so a guy doesn't come out you know, for the third period, because he had to, he was forced to block a shot. You know what I mean? Now that they're down in defense. Yeah. Or he takes a, you know, a, a, a bad off, penalty just trying to clear it. Yeah. Yeah. Or if the, or he takes it, you know, a, a shot off the foot and, you know, now he's hesitant to throw his body out there the next time you shoot it. I mean, there's, there's all these little things that they can do to improve upon like their offensive play and sustaining pressure. But, you know, you know, looking at the, 
to my question was, sure. you know, are, is there a coach out there that you'd like to see? Obviously, you know, I, I think a coaching change now is clearly a must. <clears throat> and I don't necessarily think that that coaching change is going to be the difference maker between the Rangers turning, turning over a new leaf and, and, and winning games and, and making the playoffs. I, I don't know if that's what it will take, but it certainly can't hurt us right now because the New York Rangers right now are a better team than four and seven with 11 points. The Rangers should have at, at least the minimum 15 points right now in the standings, which would put them right there for a playoff spot. And, and we only have ourselves to blame for not being in that position. We are not just a rebuilding team. We are a team that can be competitive in this division. And right now I just have mental collapses, lack of effort. It's all the stuff that you don't want to see out of a team. And, you know, and effort has nothing to do with rebuilding. Effort should always be there, regardless of what stage of the process you are in, in terms of, you know, building a franchise. And, you know, you look at, you do look at Buffalo and you see what they can turn into. And, you know, you do look at like the Washington of old, you know, where they let their stars kind of do whatever they want, but they never really built the system that was built upon structure and and not that free flowing offense where Ovechkin can do whatever the hell he wants. We're not really going to get back and and play defense because, you know, we win a ton of hockey games during the regular season, but when it comes playoff time and we're forced to play defense, you know, we're always playing catch up. And, you know, that's why I think Washington failed for all those years. You know, if you look at Pittsburgh, yeah, I, they were an X's O team and everyone always counts them out. But they sometimes always be the sneaky team that makes in because they do do the dirty stuff. And, and Sullivan does teach them the X's and O's and allows them to have the creativity at the same time because, you know, they have a leader in the locker room. They know that balance. They know, you know, they know they're going to get called out if they're not. You know, they know it, no they, they know they know how to hang on in games they clearly have no business being in. And, that, you know, like you said, a lot of that is that they have their experienced team that just knows how to do that and doesn't panic and understands like, OK, like here's where, where we can get away with pressing. And yeah. Oh, also, I got some some even better breaking news uh, out of Rangers practice. Truba is out four to six weeks with an upper body injury. And uh, Jack Johnson Perfect. is pr- practicing for the first time in three weeks. So, you know, oh my don't worry. Help is on the way, James. He will not. When it rains. Oh, course. and also Keandre K- K- is also not practicing, but Panarin is. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't know if, if John, this means Johnson will be in versus. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just trying to think. That's a bad I'm thinking of all the. Uh, probably the worst in the NHL as stands because it's literally Adam Fox and you know a bunch of guys who are are, you could arguably are you know you know bottom pairing to seventh defenseman on most teams Uh, which you know maybe I'd say Lindgren could be a good third pairing guy on a a great team but oh boy yeah it's gonna be real rough Um, well well I have another question for you too um you know, obviously we address the coaching issues and what, you know, we think needs to be done and, and what will be done in the future, because I think we all know Quinn is not going to be the team or the coach of the team when if and heaven forbid they lift the Stanley Cup again in my lifetime. Oh, but never mind. Miller is practicing. Sorry. Um, right, uh, thank God. That's good. No, no, that's fine. You can interrupt me with that news anytime. Um, you know, looking at, you know, our leadership, right, our veterans, where do you see? Where do you see our leadership and veterans? And when I say that, I mean the Zabenajads, the Criders, the Stroms, 
Um, you know, Panarin has, you know, performed here in New York and he's been, you know, he's not really a captain leader, but he is a leader in terms of his play on the ice. I mean, he dictates the play. He, you know, drives offense and, you know, he had a couple slow, you know, slow start to the season and, you know, he was able to figure it out and then he gets hurt, unfortunately, which slows us down. But, you know, are the New York Rangers going to have to look, look for, a new, you know, not like a star, but like a new leader. Are we going to bring one in or are we going to have to wait until our Lafreniere's and Kako's fully develop and, and wait for that type of leadership to, um, you know, yeah. I was thinking problem. that I was thinking that last night is like, cause I think Rangers fans were under the impression that they could, this team could somehow compete in the next two years. And, you know, so maybe not necessarily when Kako and Lafreniere are peak of their powers, but they're like at least have that had wet their feet in the league and they can contribute, you know, meaningful middle six to top six minutes. And then you could still have, you know, maybe hell, even maybe one of them on the top line with Panarin and Co. But the more it looks like it, it just seems that I think, you know, if you have to be fair in your valuation, especially is what guys are going to cost, uh, you know. I think this changes a lot of things, you know, so you have to, I mean, listen, I had mentioned it up top. We know a guy like Jack Eichel is upset and, you know, we don't know what's going on with him because between him, Taylor Hall and Jeff Skinner, you know, all their guys, they just have no, nothing to show for what's going on. So I don't know what's going on there. So that might be another problem, but you know, you don't know what type of moves this, the team will explore in the off season. They're clearly, they need a lot of, those established NHL pieces, which they don't have. They have a lot of high end and a lot, they have a lot of high end promising pieces and a lot of low end, you know, uh, plug in bottom six pieces, but they have, they don't, they obviously lack those middle, you know, those middle six guys that are pretty much the, you could argue like the most stabilizing part of any lineup. You know what I mean? Cause you, you're, you're better off being like the Islanders and having a bunch of middle six tweeners who can at least do attend to their duties. Right than you are than having like being a big, big donut like the Rangers are, you know? So especially if the, if the top half of your donut has nothing on it, no sprinkles, no, they're giving you no flavor right now. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think this team has to, is going to reevaluate what, what this means because I mean, you know, like I said, this really changes my opinion of Zabanajad at least in terms of should he wear a letter for this team one day, or at least, you know, wear the, the letter, you know, now maybe they are more inclined to wait until a Lafreniere or a Kako or whoever or a Miller or whoever or Fox, whoever steps up is ready. Because, yeah, I mean, Kreider, unfortunately, that contract is looking borderline unmov- you know, unmovable unless they retain a lot. You know, and, and I don't know what if the, he'd even want to go or would waive his no his no trade clause. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's. <sighs> Yeah, it's clearly most of the answers they seek are currently outside of this organization right now. Uh, I don't know if they have the stomach to really wait until Kako and Lafreniere are 24, 25 years old. This team is not, I don't think they have the appetite to wait another four years to get back into the playoffs, you know? So I guess the question is, at some point, do they start dealing from their uh, prospect pool, which has a litany of very promising prospects and some of their other players, you know? Do they start trying to get some immediate help? Those guys who can plug in and hopefully by the time they're done building, maybe two seasons, they're ready to, yeah, they're ready to go to war in the playoffs. But as it stands right now, it's just, I, you know, 
Strom, I can't see long for this team. After this, I'm really doubting Zabanajad's and their long-term plans and what they want to pay, especially because you remember, you know, the negotiations with his his agent, who was his brother last time, were kind of drawn out and it was kind of tough. And I think he's going to want more money than he's going to get, especially after the Rangers have been spooked by his play this year. You know, so. Well, uh, well I have another yeah, question well, for you, too. Sure. And, you know, I'm going to get into a hypothetical here and I want you to hear me out and I want you to sure. keep an open mind. You know, um, I know you're not a closed minded person. I think I think you'll hear me out here and you won't you won't oh, shun course. me on this proposal. No. OK. All right. Well, I have to first set it up with a question for you. OK. OK. Mika Zibanejad, his final year of his contract before he becomes an unrestricted free agent is 21 and 22 in that year so he's two years left he has this year and next year okay do you see him with the new york rangers after that final season of his contract no i don't i really don't um i don't see him wanting to take less you know i don't see him i yeah whatever whatever his failings this year that the rangers might try to hold against him you know barring a a bounce back a total bounce back uh, yeah, at this point, it's kind of hard to see that. I think the Rangers, even with, I think the Rangers were unsure just based on his age prior to this season, you know, with how much. But I think, especially what they're seeing in terms of, you know, what they want from him to le- help lead this team out of the hole, I don't just, I don't know, man. I don't really think so. Okay. Uh, so now, yeah, so. so now I'm going to set with that, with your answer, it makes sense. I have another question for you. Would you be willing to trade? for Evgeny Malkin, who is also in the same boat. And, you know, I think for the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's an opportunity to, because there have been rumors of, of moving Malkin prior to this season. And, and you know, if, you know, are the Penguins willing to go a different direction? Trade Mika Zibanejad for Evgeny Malkin. He makes 9.5 and Mika's in the 5.3 range. So it's a little bit more on the cap, but maybe we can possibly get, um, you know, a a pick, a later round pick, like maybe I don't know, fifth or fifth round, uh, for eating, you know, a little bit more of that contract, and a, maybe give Pittsburgh an opportunity to go for it next year by removing a little bit of cap space. You're swapping centers essentially. You're swapping to your number two center essentially for our number one center on paper. Um, do you think they go for something like that? You know, I've had my. I'm also torn on that because if you would ask me this question last year, I would obviously say yes. But, you know, Malkin is a guy who has been struggling. He's already 34 years old. Um, so, you know, by the time that's up, it's like he's, you know, he's he's going to be on the, you know, close to, you know, closer to 40 than he is 30. Yeah, man, I just because the age, I don't know if I want to do that. His contract is done after next season. So you really you're only married to him for another year after this season. Yeah, but I'm just saying I'm what I'm saying is that based on his performance so far this season how he's starting to look and if you look at his numbers it looks like he is on the downward slope that like I don't even know how much longer you know, I think he's still a first line player but it's just you know, he's been so inconsistent the last couple of years and just also injury prone. I'm just Yeah, I don't know. I just like like I said, if if he was one year younger and he was maybe off to a better start, I'd probably be more confident in that. But right now, it's definitely not the worst idea, especially if you're if you're like Samantha's not in our long term plans. Uh you know, but 
at the same time, it's just, I, I don't know if, you know, you know, if we, even if the swap happens in this off season, I just don't know, you know, maybe I don't, you know, if you ask me if Mika bounces back next season with Pittsburgh and you have Malkin and the Rangers who performs better, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not a hundred percent confident saying that would be Mal- Evgeny Malkin, if that makes any sense. But okay, I'm just saying that because I think it brings a bona fide star to the, to the Rangers and a guy mm-hmm. who, you know, he is Russian, so he'll earn the respect of you know a lot of you know our, our players are Russian. You know, we have a lot of Europeans and stuff like that. So, and it's a guy who's he's a legit legitimate center. He's not a center that's going to win you know, 13% of his face-offs, like, you know, Mika Zibanejad last night, you know, he's a guy that's going to win face-offs, be a voice and a presence in the locker room that will, you know, hopefully demand respect. He's going to be playing in a contract year next year. So, you know, he's going to be looking at, and he's 34, so he'll be 35 next year. And he's, I would imagine he's going to want to continue his career. And then you have a guy that like Zibanejad who, you know, you know, before seeing this season, you know, I had my questions about him. He's very injury prone, which Malkin is also. But, you know, I don't really see, you know, how we're able to move. I don't know if we're going to be able to move Zibanejad or or should we move Zibanejad? You know what I mean? It's like, now this is the question. It's like, you said you don't see Zibanejad playing after the 21-22 seasons for the New York Rangers. So, therefore, I would imagine you would want to trade him. And you're, you're gonna, what are you, what are you actually going to get for him? Because if this play continues, you're really not going to get that much for him. And I'm saying if this play continues, Evgeny Malkin might be the best available option that you get, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's true. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I think a part of me just hopes there is some, even if it's a guy who's maybe not as promising as Zabanajad was peak of his powers. And listen, I don't know if, if all of a sudden the flip is, you know, a switch is going to go off and he's not going to feel the after effects of COVID and just be right back off to where he was. I hope so. Before. I hope that's, I hope we're not I, even I obviously, considering this. Yeah. Yeah. I obviously hope that's the case too, but you know, I just, like I said, I think, Honestly, I've been from what little I've gleaned right now. I think Isles, uh, excuse me. I think Penguins fans feel the same way about Malkin we feel about uh, Zavanajad right now because I, I think that's how bad it's gotten there. You know, both same thing, kind of checked out, inconsistent, costing his team with dumb boneheaded plays. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I agree from a from at least trying to retain uh, value standpoint that might, might be the best you can get in terms of overall top value, but. I think a part of me is like when I look at this team, I think a part of me leans to maybe you just you try to steer move clear. for yeah, or steer clear and maybe move Zabanajad for lesser assets, but maybe more numerous. Maybe you can get uh, a guy who's got a promise, but a lot of question marks who is younger, you know, guys more in that 25 to 30 range, you know. But again, it's uh, there's a lot going on that. We don't know how is Zabanajad going to kick out of this? Is he going to look worse? Is you know, is this it? Is he on the is he inexplicably falling off or is he just because it's weird. You see guys that there are plenty of guys that like in their, you know, late 20s kind of have struggles and then all of a sudden they'll like have a really good season kick out of it like a Bobby Ryan type. Like this stuff happens. It's just it's hard to know, but you know, and this season's so weird. So I think Ultimately, to like to answer most of our question, I think one of the biggest reasons, uh, you know, why 
it's I think the Rangers are going to stamp pad on both the coach and then maybe in terms of some moves, although I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move a Strom before the deadline or something is that it's just, yeah, I don't know with COVID and everything and the circumstances, I think they're going to, I think lots of teams are going to punt, whereas in other seasons, they'd be more feel more heat from either top down ownership management to to do something where they're all like, well, it's a, it's a different season. It's, you know, we've never had a, something like this before, even as hollow as that may ring, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of the questions that we're, we've been asking all podcasts long, it can only be answered once again with time and we will see how everything plays out. And it's, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster season. I hope our stars can figure it out that we're not, you know, looking at what we're going to get for Zibanejad or, or anybody else. You know, hope, hopefully we can string together a couple of wins and, and kind of turn the tide and, and go the other way. Hopefully this loss was an eye-opening experience for a lot of our players. And, you know, again, we have a game on Thursday against a very good Philadelphia Flyers team who also, like the Devils, is affected by COVID. So an opportunity to take advantage and get two points from a team that you might not expect to get two points from. So um, and we'll be you know right back here next week. Uh, tuning in and and hopefully we got a, a better song to sing as the New York Rangers face the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.